It is so good to be back. I love, I love when we come back in September after that summer break and, and just to see uh, your many faces. And um, so blessed to have Sherry with us, right, this morning. Such a treat. Thank you, Sherry, so, so much. Well, last Christmas, Rob gave me this beautiful journal as a gift because we both are journalers, as you well know. And on the front of the cover of the journal, it read, Be still and know that I am God, from Psalm 46. Verse 10, and of course, that's a scripture we are all familiar with. It's this really this beautiful invitation. It just feels good. It feels warm. It feels inviting. And I saw that, and I was just like, yes. And I was so excited to open up. You know, when you get a new journal and the fresh pages, and everything's just clean, and you got the start of a new, for me, it was the start of a new year. And, and I remember just penning, like, re, in response to that, that verse, Lord, yes, that is, that's the passion, that's the desire in my heart. I, I want stillness in my heart and in my life before you. And I long for more of that. And I really, I envision myself like Mary, you know, at the feet of Jesus, just ignoring all the Marthas in the world and all the things just pulling at us and wanting our attention and needing us. And, um, you know, I just, I didn't want distractions. Well, I had the best intentions for having like far more stillness with the Lord in my quiet times and all of that. In fact, I, I made some determined decisions even in, in the pattern of my life last year and in my schedule. And there were things that I really felt the Lord was pruning out of my life and, and new things that he was wanting to do. But the stillness that I desired and longed for um, didn't quite happen exactly how I had planned. And I'm sure you can relate to that. I mean, my life got crazy. It got busy. There were new things that were added. And on top of that, as many of you know, there was, you know, quite a trial going on in my life, an emotional troubling within me as my sister was coming to the final end to a long battle with cancer, and it was multiple trips to Oregon, and and just all of that that was going on in my life. Um, And let me make a note and just say that um, she did go home to be with Jesus in June, and the Lord, thank you for your prayers and the kindness and the love that I received, and the Lord just like parted the way so I could be there with her in those final hours, and it was hard, but so, so, so beautiful. So I felt your love and your care. And so I just want to take a moment to say that. Um, But I found myself more often than I would like to admit, battling a noisy life and a cluttered mind. And you know, girls, it's not just for us to be still physically, which is a challenge in, in itself, but more importantly, to be still in my being. To be still in my being. Well, a few months ago, I needed to start a new journal, and I remember that at the women's retreat, I got a gift from Yvonne, really from you girls. You didn't know you gave me a, but you gave me a journal. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) And guess what was on the front of that journal when I went up to get it out of the loft? Be still and know that I'm God. I'm like, ah, Lord, you are, I mean, he's humorous, isn't he? I I love his grace. I love his patience. It's like, you're giving me a (laughs) do-over. And I was just so excited for that. Again, but Lord, this time, like, no, really, like, show me, teach me. What does it mean to be still and know that you are God? And then when our leadership decided to do this B series and we just prayed over what, what are some of the key, like, five, like, really important um, commands in the word of how to be, 
Um, Be Still was one of them. And of course, I knew that was the one that I was supposed to teach because he's working it into my life. So turn with me to Psalm chapter 46, if you're not already there. Psalm 46. And Don prayed over me, so we're just going to plunge right in. It says, God is our refuge and strength. He's a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, even though... Even though the earth may be removed and even though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea and though its waters roar and be troubled and though the mountains shake with its swelling. And then it says, pause and consider. So let's pause. Let's just consider this little portion. And for me, the first thing that stands out here and catches my attention is that the very first word is God. And I love that, who God is. I love that even in the context of this psalm, which girls, this is not a peaceful psalm. This is a time when, when Israel's they're in distress. They're, they're in trouble. There's a lot happening. And you can tell they're in some sort of danger. They feel like the world is crashing in on them. But the psalmist acknowledges God first rather than the problem. That God is our refuge and our strength. A very present help in trouble. And, you know, I think that putting God first gave him, helped him to then proclaim in faith, therefore we will not fear. You know, our natural tendency is always to put our problems first, to be so fixed on whatever is troubling us and going on and scaring us in this life. And so it's the first thing we want to talk about, whether it's in our prayer time or penning in our journal or talking with our friends, we we tend to start with our troubles, our fears, our anxieties, Lord, look what's going on. Help, hear, guide, I, I, I. And then, and then we, we, we settle in, we open up this word, or we put on our, our music, worship music, and then, ah, we're reminded of, of who God is. And then what happens? This calming effect starts to happen, um, and we're able to be still. But what I see here is that a decision to put God first has the power to change our perspective in any troubling and fearful circumstance that we go through, where we can say, even though, and you fill in the blank in your own life, we all could have a list of all the even thoughs, all those things that, we, that are heavy on our heart, that we're afraid about, that we're full of anxiety over, all those things, even though... It gives us the courage and resolve to say, I will not fear. And so, girls, let's challenge ourselves to deliberately practice putting God's name first. That that's where we start, in who he is. Put God first in the equation of our circumstances and in our prayers. And really, if you think about it, isn't that what Jesus taught us? Um, When the disciples said, Lord, teach us how to pray. How How does it begin? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. It's, it's putting God, hallowing him, respecting him, being aware of who he is, that he's bigger than us, he's bigger than our problems. And then look at verse four. It says, there is a river whose stream shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the most high. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her just at the break of dawn. The nations raged and the kingdoms were moved. Well, he uttered his voice and the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. And then the word Selah again, to pause, to consider what was just spoken. And when you think about it, the children of Israel, 
you know, they experience God's presence and his being in their midst in some pretty significant ways. You know, when Sherry was singing um, the gl- about the glory of the Lord being beautiful, I mean, they really got to witness the glory, the presence of God in their midst, whether it was through the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night, whether it was when he... Um, uh, uh, dwelled in the tabernacle, you know, that they would actually, um, it was portable, that they would take with them wherever they went, um, or when the temple was built and his presence was in the holy of holies. And then when you think about when Jesus himself came to them, and what is Jesus's name? Emmanuel. And what does that mean? God with us. <clears throat> Excuse me. God with us. And you know, we can read those stories and just think, wow. Yeah, God was literally like in their midst, but we should have that same awe and also that same um, faith and, and understanding that God is in the midst of us girls. He's in our midst, but better than that, better than that, He's in our hearts. And I know I talk about that a lot with you because I never want you to to get used to that where you have no awe in the reality that the God of the universe through his spirit now dwells in us and in our hearts, that God is in the midst of you, Janet. Nicole, he's in the midst of you, right? May we never lose the awe of what that means for us. He shows the same unrelenting passion and desire for us to know him and for us to trust him that no matter how dark or bleak things may get in our lives, he is the Lord of hosts. That word that means God who's over the host of, he's the host of angelic armies. He's in control. There's no enemy that's too strong. There's no battle that he cannot win. He will help us. But notice verse five. God shall help her just at the break of dawn. And that has to make you laugh, right? Because we know that to be true in our own lives, right? Sometimes it feels like God's help comes just in the nick of time, at the darkest hour when we are so fearful and we're tired and we're just ready to just throw our hands up and give in to the enemy. That's when in those worst moments, we see him open up heaven's doors and come down and help us. And it, it is. It's like the dawning of the sun. He shows up in a display of his power and his glory. And praise God that he does that. And you know, we hate it. We don't like that that's how he does it. We don't like his timing. But girls, it's the best thing for us. Because then we know without a shadow of doubt that it wasn't anything we were able to do. It was completely God. And and we get to know him and who he is in in a deeper way. And, and that's, that's what he wants. He wants us to grow in grace and knowledge and the fullness of, of who he is. And so we may hate that we have to wait and that it's in those darkest moments, but he will help us at the break of dawn. It's a beautiful, beautiful promise. And you know, if that's you today, and I'm sure there's a few of you in this room that maybe are in a season of darkness and you've been in it a long time and you're tired and you just feel like there is no answer, there's no hope, there's no rescue, God isn't listening, God isn't moving. This is just a word for you today. 
to believe and trust that God is in your midst and he will help you. He will help you at the break of dawn. Believe that. Receive that this morning. Let's move on. Verse 8. It says, Come, behold the works of the Lord who has made desolation in the earth. He makes war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariots in fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. Now, there's two things that stand out to me in this portion, and I think that they belong together. They're important. They work hand in hand. And the first is to behold and then be still. Behold the works of the Lord and be still and know that I am God. But notice it says, come behold the works of the Lord. It takes action on our part to take our eyes off of the stuff going on around us in those troubles and concerns, and to then behold Jesus, gaze upon him, put our focus on him. Um, I thought it was just fascinating. I think it was this past year when we had the solar eclipse, and how when you thought about everyone around the entire world, <laughs> like stopped to watch that, got up to watch that, and to gaze into that solar eclipse. But how much more should that be us beholding Jesus, having our eyes just fixed on him, gazing on who he is. And girls, we need to behold the works of the Lord in our own lives, but also in your family, in your kids' lives, in this church, in the world around us, just being so aware of that. And you know, this can seem so elementary. Denise, we know this, we see it in the word, remember, talk about But it's not elementary. And the problem is we don't put it into practice enough. And we need to. It's important to do this. Beholding the works of the Lord, it's that door, I believe, that opens up the transforming work of God in us where the spirit of oppression and the spirit of discontentment and anxieties and fears are pushed out and the spirit of thankfulness and peace and joy and and all of those things begin to permeate our being, who we are, and, and, and that transformation can take place. It changes our very being. In fact, we're going to talk next week about be joyful and be thankful. But it starts with come and behold the works of the Lord. Behold him. So there's behold and then there is the command to be still and know that I'm God. So girls, like I said, this isn't a passive gentle suggestion. And what I really, really find intriguing about this is first from verse 1 through 9, who's, who's penning this? It's the psalmist, right? Talking about who God is and what he's done. And then you get to verse 10 and it completely changes and it's God himself speaking. And I just picture him going, this is good, psalmist, but hang on, excuse me, give me the pen. I need to write. You know, he just like breaks into this psalm himself and says, be still and know that I am God. And then he hands the pen back to the psalmist. Okay, you can finish up. I don't know. It's just, I don't do those kind of things like intrigue you. I don't know. I just, I, I just love those kind of things. I just can't wait till we see him face to face. But you know, there's times, um, 
in our own lives, in that chaos and the confusion, and we're battling the enemy, when God does this for us also. I can think of many times where he's just like, excuse me, interrupted, (laughs) you know, and just spoke into my life, basically, you know, stop, be still, and know that I am God. In other words, like, snap out of it. Wake up. Don't you know who I am? I'm the great I am. And I'm actually doing a a study in the mornings on the names of God through that app, She Reads Truth. And if you aren't familiar with that, I think you should check it out. It's pretty awesome. Um, But but I'm doing that right now. And it's just so fascinating. And I love it. And and the reality is, is we need to know who he is. And the way that he teaches us and shows us is through his names. And there are so many names throughout the word of God. And we need to know what they mean. They're going to reveal to us who he is and his nature. And they they each have a specific revelation for us. In fact, right here in Psalm 46, there's three names given, the Most High, the Lord of Hosts, the God of Jacob. So when you read that, did it prompt you to wonder, well, what does that mean? And if it didn't, you need to start being prompted in that way where you take the time to then discover and look up and understand so then you can put that in the context of your life and your situation and be able to know him more in that specific revelation and in that way. Um, And God does this and he reveals himself to us at different times and in our different circumstances. And a great example of that would be in Exodus 6 where God is speaking to Moses and he says to to Moses, he says, I am the Lord. And then it says, I appeared to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob as God Almighty, but by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. Isn't that interesting? So that should make us wonder why. And, and what was the purpose of that specific revelation to Moses that, that God was Lord? And then be, beyond us discovering, doing this discovery and finding out what those names mean, then applying them to our own lives. Okay, so Lord, in this situation, have I understood the revelation of who you are as Lord? And am I allowing you to be Lord God in my life? It's like, you, that's how we grow, girls, <laughs> okay? Do the digging, understand, and then applying it to your life and what he's trying to speak to you. We want to know who God is, that we can, like the psalmist, fill in the blank with whatever the truths from the Bible are in that moment for us. And then finally, where it says, um, well, and and finally where it says, and be still and know that I'm God. And so that's what I want to look at now with the remaining time that we have together to say, okay, what does it mean to be still? Well, first, let me tell you what does it doesn't mean or what it doesn't look like. I mean, how many of us with our children have pointed our finger at them and raised our voice and told them, you need to be still. Basically, we're telling them, don't move a muscle, don't make a noise. And how did that work for you? right? Never works for me unless you have, I don't know, some angelic child. It does not work. Kids can't be completely still and not move a muscle more than a few seconds, but really, are we any better? I mean, we might last a few minutes, but that's about it. I mean, in fact, if I were to just take a moment, close your eyes, if I were just tell you, I want you to be absolutely still right now, everybody, don't move a muscle, not a muscle, 
I'm sure right now, some of you, you begin to get an itch. (laughs) Or you need to clear your voice. Or you might feel like, I just have to cough. (laughs) Or I just need to reposition myself in my chair. Or, oh, I want to cross my legs so bad. Right? Those are the things, right, that we battle. Okay, open your eyes. So you can't, you would not be able to be completely, perfectly still, motionless and quiet for very long. And that's not what God is saying to us. It's not what he's saying. Now, don't get me wrong. Stillness, of course, is important, right? We need to practice sitting down or standing still and just quieting our body. It's, it's beneficial, of course. We need to sit down in the mornings and have that cup of coffee and that quiet time with the Lord so he can speak to us. And we know that he often speaks in what? A still, small voice. He calls us to rest. We need downtime. We need time to relax. Our bodies need it. Our minds need that. But there's so much more to being still. And I want to share with you some definitions and also like some word pictures. Or I would like to say positions that we need to take up to help us to obey this command. And before we go into those, I think of um, the story in Second Chronicles 20 where, where King Jehoshaphat and the, the children of Israel, they are boxed in. The enemy has surrounded them. There is no way that they're going to win. They, they know that without God divinely coming and fighting for them that they are going to die. And so they cry out to God, and they're begging him for help and for direction and for guidance. And I love what it says, Second Chronicles 20, verses 15 through 17. And the Lord says, Do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours but God's. Tomorrow go down against them, but you will not need to fight this battle. And then listen to this. It says, Position yourselves, stand still, And see the salvation of the Lord. Position yourself, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord. Do not fear or be dismayed. So they didn't have to fight in this particular battle. God fought for them. But they still had to go down there, get in position, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord. So the positioning of ourselves, we want to look at that. So the first definition I want to give you. be still is to let your hands drop. And this is such a good picture for us. Let your hands drop. In other words, it speaks of surrender. It speaks of submission. It's really a very vulnerable position for us, isn't it? That is not what we naturally do in time of trouble when we feel at all um, in danger. Uh, What's the first thing we do? We want to put our hands up whether in a a place of of trying to shield and protect us, right? Or maybe we get our fist, you know, tight ball, and okay, we're going to fight, we're going to battle, you know? Or sometimes we're just wringing our hands in anxiety and stress that's happening. But what God is saying here is let your hands drop and know that I am God, In other words, we need to come to a place where we're willing to quit trying to control the situation, instead surrender and yield ourselves to the help of God, acknowledging that he is sovereign and he is in control, that he can fight the battle 
for us. And so to some of you this morning, he may be saying, let your hands drop and know that I am God. The second definition would be slacken, slacken. That means to release the tension. Think of a rope when when it's absolutely as tight as it can be, and then you're told to give the rope some slack. And oftentimes when we're in those difficult circumstances that we cannot fix or control, we become tight. We become stressed out, right? Emotionally, in the inner tension, we are wound up. And then there's the outer tension that starts happening where we've got the neck aches and the back aches. We can't sleep. We're just, we're tight. And God would say to us, slacken, slacken. Slacken and know that I'm God. In other words, don't hold on so tight to your circumstances like in an owning way. You know, you've got the tight grit. You're holding on. You're making it happen. <laughs> the Lord's saying, no, you have, to sli- you have to slacken. Trust me. Instead of holding on tight, like, you know, to that circumstance or that thing you're so afraid of losing or, or it, you know, whatever that is for you, hold on tight to the word of God. Hold on tight to who he is. Don't be afraid. You can let go. Hold on to Jesus. Amen? The third definition would be abate. Abate. Basically diminish in intensity. This is the picture of like when you turn on the news and you hear there's a storm coming, right, out in sea. And, you know, they're following it along and it, it's, it's, it's going to hit, you know, one of the states. And, and you know, it's, it's, it's getting, what am I trying to say, you know? It's just growing in intensity, right? And um, there's this, this uh, I'm sorry, I'm losing my thing, like inner, just... It's just growing and growing and intensifying. And they're saying it's going to be a category three that's going to hit, right? Well, oftentimes when there's trials going on, what happens on the inner side of us? This same storm starts brewing because we're in turmoil and we're wrestling with all our emotions and our anxieties and fear and it's growing and it's growing. And what could have been a a category one, we've now turned it into a category three with, with all these fears and the things going on in our mind. And then what happens? That, then that then floods out and then it's affecting our children and our husbands and the people around us. It's just this storm is just intensifying. And the Lord walks into the raging storms in our life. And he says, peace. He says, be still. He says to you and me, abate and know that I am God. Well, how do we do this in practical ways? I would say don't feed the emotional storm. Just don't do it. When those fears and anxieties and all the what ifs and you just, it just keeps growing and tumultuous inside of you, don't do that. Don't let them drown you out. Instead, drown them out with the truth of God's word, of who he is. Quiet your inner man. Fill it with the word, whether it's reading it, listening to it, podcast, whatever. Have it going. Have the worship music going. It's the truth of God. It's going to bring stillness, and it's going to push out those waves of emotion and those lies from the enemy of God. When those panic attacks start to rise up in you, what are you doing with that? 
What are you doing? Don't drown in it. Don't do it. Pray God's promises. Pray his word. We have the ability through the power of God's spirit. He commands us to abate. I love Psalm 131 too. It says, surely I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with his mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. Hope in the Lord from this time forth and forever. I love another translation. It says, I have behaved and quieted my soul. We know what it's like when you're weaning a baby, right? And they, they throw their fits and they, they want their milk when they want their milk. <laughs> and, and they can throw their tantrums and get all stressed out. And, the, and no, the Lord's showing us that we have the ability to calm and quiet our hearts like a weaned child. Number four would be, the definition would be cease. In other words, stop it and stop now. Another translation would be des- desist and know that I am God. This carries that imperative need to listen and obey immediately because certain things just need to stop. And if we don't seize, it's going to cause damage. It's going to cause harm. It's like with our children. When they start to go into the street, what do we do? We cry out, stop. And what we're hoping that, that immediately they're just going to freeze and stop. And that's the this picture of like, cease, be still, and know that I am God. Just stop it. <laughs> Knock it off. Don't throw the temper tantrum. And the, don't have the, the breakdown. What do we call it? The meltdown with our children. Like, we need to not do that. Cease. Stop repeating the actions in your head and the, the don't replay the offenses in your mind and re, keep, stop rehearsing over and over what could have, should have. Boy, I've been dealing with that one recently with a certain situation that I just, oh, I was in turmoil about and it was in my mind. I was letting the enemy just take me there and replaying, rehearsing and, and just building this pain inside of me. And as I was studying, that was for me, like, Denise, knock it off. Cease and know that I am God. He wants to protect us from damaging ourselves and damaging our, our families and our children. He, want, he doesn't want things that are going to hinder healing in our lives. Psalm 37 and 8 says, Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only causes harm. So sometimes he has to command us to cease and know that he's God. Amen? Number five would be to draw toward the evening. This is a fascinating one to me, to draw toward the evening. In other words, wind down. I mean, what do we do at nighttime when it's starting to get late? We go through the house, and what are we doing? We're we're just winding things down, putting things away. We're dimming lights. We're turning lights off. We're quieting the house. We're quieting ourselves, and that's the picture here. Sometimes we're turning off the lights or dimming them because we don't want to see those the mess is still there. We just don't want to see it. You know, I have a, a pile of dishes in my sink this morning. And last night I just turned that light off. I'm like, I don't see it. I don't have to deal with it. Right. And sometimes that's the picture where we need to dim the lights or turn off the lights around us. Basically it's being not so focused on the things that we really don't need to be focused on or need to be seeing. And sometimes that means turning off your computer, 
Get away from Google. <laughs> it's crazy where that can take you. When you, you're afraid of something, you want more information. Maybe, you know, you know, you're looking up, you know, the MD thing, you know, trying to self-medicate or self-diagnose yourself. And pretty soon, you know, you got the worst disease possible and you're going to die tomorrow. <laughs> and the Lord's just saying, just don't do that, okay? Turn off the news in that repetitious 24-7 just going in the background and, and going on in your mind. Like, don't do that. Draw toward the evening. Wind down. So for some of you in the room today, that's what God's saying. He's saying, draw toward the evening and know that I am God. And number six would be idle. In other words, wait to move. Wait to move. This is the picture of like a car where the motor's turned on, the engine's going, but you have it in neutral, okay? So it's on, it's ready to go, but it's waiting. It's, it's being still. And sometimes in our trials and troubles, God calls us to, to put it in neutral <laughs> and just idle. Be ready. Be prepared to do what I tell you to do when I tell you to do it and go when I say, but don't move ahead of me. And don't waste your time going in the wrong directions and getting all lost. Just idle. Okay? Idling is not ignoring the situation or crisis. It's waiting for God's direction. I think of Ruth and Naomi, you know, when they, Ruth did everything Naomi told her to do in, in preparing to possibly, you know, get, get the kinsman redeemer. Um, but then Naomi says to her, sit still, my daughter, until you know how the matter will turn out. For the man will not rest until he's concluded the matter this day. Sometimes, okay, be ready. Engine on, but we're in idle. And lastly, number seven, it would be to weaken. In other words, to make less. In essence, we have to weaken our own resources. And this too goes against our very nature because we're really good on relying upon our resources and we have a lot of them. We've got the money, the assets, the people, the family, the church, the programs, the organizations. We have our own abilities, our own wisdom. And the Lord would say, I can't hold you and I can't support you unless you Let go of your own resources. Let go of whatever it is you are leaning upon. And so consider that this morning. What are you leaning upon? Or what people are you leaning upon rather than leaning on the Lord? Isaiah 41.10 says, Fear not, for I'm with you. Don't be dismayed. I'm your God. I'm going to strengthen you. I'm going to help you. I'm going to up." hold you with my righteous right hand. So ladies, we have to allow ourselves to sense our weakness. It's okay to be weak. In fact, we're told to boast in our weaknesses and we have such a hard time. It's our pride and we have to understand and acknowledge God's strength and power. We know the verse. We could all say it by heart. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I'm going to boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Do we believe it? Are we going to obey that? Ladies, some of you, you need to weaken and know that he is God. So in closing, whatever difficulty or trial you are going through, the things that are troubling you, God wants you to first come and behold him and his works and be still and know that he's God. And maybe 
as we went over those definitions and those specific positions, one of them just really spoke into your situation right now. Whatever that is, whatever position he's saying, take this position, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. We're just going to take a a few minutes. I'm going to Sherry come back up and and we're just going to be still. And I want you to go before the Lord and let him speak and do business with him about this. That you girls, don't let that darkest moment break you. Don't do it. Wait, trust that God's going to break through. He's going to break through like the dawning of the sun. He is going to come and rescue you. His mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness.